Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Unleashed. It's part two of a three-part series, a deep dive into Colorado politics. Today, we're going a deep dive into the Democrats. Let's get started. In 2006 and 8, Colorado experienced a political shift like never before. While the Republican Party was facing challenges nationwide, what occurred in Colorado was a unique phenomenon. A group of four wealthy progressive donors known as the Gang of Four decided to take matters into their own hands. They disregarded the state Democratic establishment and established a privately funded political infrastructure. The new campaign finance reform laws supported their efforts, allowing them to reshape the entire political landscape of Colorado. The Gang of Four consisted of Rep Bridges, father of Jeff Bridges, who's in the state legislature, Tim Gill, Jared Polis, and Pat Stryker of Stryker Medical. These influential figures embarked on an ambitious mission to replicate and expand the essential functions of the Colorado Democratic Party. From policy generation to leadership recruitment to coalition building and grassroots activation, they personally financed numerous organizations, including 501c3s, c4s, and 527 groups. Working in harmony, these organizations helped dismantle the Republican establishment and installed left-leaning policymakers in its place. To truly grasp the significance of this transformation, we must recognize that the Blueprint Project in Colorado represents, sorry, we've got a guest, Moo, my kitty. We've got to realize that it's more than just a state-level political shift. It exemplifies a potential model for political change nationwide. While the left has successfully exported the Colorado model to other states, they've also underscored the changing landscape of American politics. The future of state-level politics is becoming intertwined with national politics. The Colorado model has become a subject of discussion for some time, with journalist Fred Barnes even writing a compelling article about it back in 2008. However, it's in the book, The Blueprint, How the Democrats Won Colorado and Why Republicans Everywhere Should Care, by former Republican Colorado State Legislator Rob Whitwer and Denver-based political journalist Adam Schrager, that we gain an in-depth understanding of the inner workings of the left's political infrastructure here. Interestingly, the book's title might have been more accurate had it been called The Blueprint, How the Left Won Colorado and Why Conservatives Everywhere Should Care. It highlights the fact that it wasn't solely the Democratic Party that achieved the victory. Instead, it was the progressive left, the leftist of the left, using the party as a means to their political ends. This revelation carries significant implications for conservatives. First and foremost, conservatives should recognize that they are not merely facing the Democratic Party of old. They are confronting an aggressive and well-organized left that seeks to implement their vision of statism throughout the country. This progressive force begins at the state and local levels and builds its influence toward the federal government. Secondly, conservatives have the opportunity to emulate what the left accomplished in Colorado. We can create our own privatized political infrastructure and utilize existing parties as vehicles to achieve our goals. The Democrats in Colorado, particularly the influential donors known as the Gang of Four, including Jared Polis again, created and funded numerous nonprofit organizations as part of their efforts to reshape the political landscape. While it's difficult to provide an exhaustive list, because there are so many, here are some notable examples. The Gill Foundation, which was founded by Tim Gill, is dedicated to promoting LGBTQ rights and equality. It has played a significant role in supporting pro-LGBTQ policies and candidates across Colorado and beyond. 
Progress Now Colorado is another one. Progress Now is a progressive, a very progressive advocacy organization that focuses on issues such as healthcare, education, the environment, and social justice. It aims to mobilize grassroots support and influence uh, public opinion. New Era Colorado. I saw New Era at CU quite a bit on campus. It's a youth-driven organization that works to engage and empower young people in politics, like far-left politics. It focuses on issues that are relevant to young voters, at least for the Democrats, and encourages their participation in the political process. They basically recruit them to vote and sign up to register to vote. The Jared Polis Foundation is next. Founded by Jared in 2000, the foundation supports education and youth empowerment initiatives. It invests in programs that promote technology, innovation, entrepreneurship. Stryker Foundation. Pat Stryker, another member of the Gang of Four, established the Stryker Foundation to support various causes, including healthcare, education, and arts and culture. America Votes is a national organization with a presence in Colorado. It coordinates and supports progressive organizations' voter mobilization and engagement efforts, aiming to increase turnout and influence election outcomes. The Colorado Democracy Alliance, the CDA or CODA, was formed as a network of progressive donors and organizations. It aimed to coordinate all their efforts, share resources, and build long-term infrastructure to advance far-left progressive policies in this state. These are just a few examples of nonprofit organizations created and funded by Democrats in Colorado. They know how to build a system. There are many more organizations and initiatives that have contributed to the progressive political landscape in the state, including some fake media outlets, fake in that they are progressive operatives pretending to be journalists. Boy, did I deal with this firsthand on the campaign trail. They use trackers that follow candidates and provide a way to pump stories to the jaded liberal corporate media here in Colorado so they can follow up. The Colorado Times Recorder and Colorado Newsline are two of these news organizations in Colorado that pretend to provide legitimate coverage of politics, policy, and current events. The Colorado Times Recorder was founded by a journalist or so-called journalist named Jason Salzman. It is a progressive news outlet that focuses on supposed investigative journalism and reporting on progressive issues in politics in Colorado. The funding sources for Colorado Times Recorder are not publicly disclosed on their website, but it's likely the typical players, including the Gang of Four. CTR targets conservative candidates and individuals with the intent to cancel us. It's run by individuals who describe themselves as social justice warriors who actively seek out stories that could be used to undermine us conservatives in the future. CTR's strategy involves highlighting any association, no matter how distant, to something controversial or awful in an attempt to build a narrative of wrongdoing that then the liberal corporate media can run with. While CTR has targeted conservatives for their perceived associations, it's come to light that one of their own reporters, Heidi Beadle, has a leadership role or started the Antifa movement in Southern Colorado, a group that's known for its involvement in violent activities, which she even justifies in an interview with Stephen Tubbs. Our guest is Heidi Beadle, reporter, and um, you, just so we're clear, you did found the group Colorado Springs Anti-Fascists? Um, I mean, I didn't find, found it myself, but I, a were founding you, member, okay, I was, you were there on the ground floor. Right. Yeah. And they were recently, the reason why we're even sitting here is because, uh, I guess the new Twitter under Elon Musk, um, that is suspended, banned. Yeah. They, uh, they lost their account as far as I know. Right. Do you condone violence? Um, so 
I guess if you're looking for like a yes or no answer, I mean, yes, right? Like violence and self-defense, um, violence to prevent- Self-defense, some people would say that's not violence. I mean, it's self-defense. I mean, I guess technically, if you do punch somebody in self-defense, it's violence. Go ahead. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, I condone violence. It's, it's a part of our society. It's something that people face, um, you know- in all kind of walks of life, it is a presence. And when you talk about kind of covering extremism and, you know, on the fringes of politics on both the left and the right, you know, violence is a part of that world. Violence to what end? Um, that's a good question. I, you know, from kind of the leftist perspective, from, you know, that, that, anti-fascist perspective, right? The idea is that, you know, it's violence in opposition to these fascist groups that are organizing, that are, um, you know, advocating for violence against marginalized groups that are, um, you know, doing these kind of objectionable things, right? It's, it's uh, you know, if somebody dies, is it well, so be it. I mean, that, the fact that you're paused on that <laughs> is amazing to me. Well, that's certainly a risk. And People have died, right? In Charlottesville, Heather Heyer was killed. Um, you know, activists here in Colorado have, you know, dealt with violence while engaged in activism. Um, you know, in 2018, 2019, um, you know, there, there was a, an activist who was stabbed and almost died. It was a really horrific thing. And they were like taking I'm talking down- about, though, being proactive as violence so killing as a means someone to else. an end. No, if death if that happens, if if you see me, you or somebody that I guess you could speak for, hypothetically, if I'm involved in something you don't like and violence is condoned and I'm killed, is it well, that was the risk. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it is that's that's part of the risks that it entails, you know, and and people look at like the controversy over Antifa as, you know, this sort of like leftist thugs out to like beat up all conservatives, but it's a lot of kind of mutual kind of combat, you well, know, you Antifa think, Heidi, versus Proud Boys. Don't you think that uh, on the right, uh, you know, we're looking at? I mean, it's it's we're accusing. I mean, and I say I don't even want to say we take you and me out of this. One side is accusing the other side of doing something that the other side is accusing this other side of doing. It's, it's the same thing. It's lunacy. It's idiotic when you, when you really stop and think about it. This revelation should be grounds for immediate action, including firing the reporter and issuing an apology from CTR for their association with someone who supports violence, inciting violence. Colorado Newsline is the other one. It was established as a partnership between States Newsroom, a nonprofit network of state-focused news outlets, and Progress Now Colorado, a far-left political organization we mentioned earlier. It's uh, it's a lot, you guys. They have a well-oiled machine. Now let's delve into the shadows of campaign funding in the 2022 Colorado election specifically, where over tens of millions of dollars were spent by undisclosed donors and funneled through political nonprofits referred to as dark money groups. We tracked back $33 million to Jared Polis alone in the governor's race. These groups that are shrouded in secrecy have the power to shape elections without disclosing their funders. Dark money groups are political nonprofits that do not have to disclose who their donors are. They can spend vast amounts of money, like hundreds of millions of dollars, on political activities without revealing who's behind the funding. 
In the 2022 Colorado election, these dark money groups contributed to state-level super PACs and issue committees, which played a crucial role in shaping the political landscape. Super PACs and issue committees are influential players in elections. They can raise and spend unlimited amounts of money to support or oppose candidates and ballot measures. That's all when I was limited to raising $1,250 per person. According to an analysis by the Colorado Sun, Democrats benefit the most by far from these dark money contributions, receiving 62% of the tens of millions of dollars donated to super PACs or spent on electioneering. On the other hand, groups supporting Republican candidates received about 34% of the funding. The analysis acknowledges that there could be millions more spent by these political nonprofits that remain untraceable until they file their 990 reports with the IRS. These reports often lag a year or more behind from when the spending occurred. So you don't know about it till a lot later after the election. Additionally, these reports might reveal even more money going towards political causes that don't have to be reported to the Colorado Secretary of State's office because they do not specifically advocate for or against a candidate or cause. It seems like a never-ending cycle of hidden money and elusive transparency, and it is. Many of these dark money groups are cleverly listed as businesses or filed under the other category as permitted by the Secretary of State's rules. There's no specific category for nonprofits, which further muddles the waters. Which further muddies the waters. The lack of transparency and clear identification makes it arduous for the public to understand who is funding these campaigns and what their motivations might be. In 2019, Colorado enacted a law requiring nonprofits to disclose donors of 10,000 or more earmarked for political contributions. However, the effectiveness of this law is a whole other story. It's been limited. Nonprofits have found ways to circumvent the rule by claiming that large donations they receive were not designated as political contributions. Hmm. The influence of these dark money groups on Colorado elections cannot be underestimated. They have the power to shape campaigns and influence voters without revealing their identities. This lack of transparency erodes the public's trust in the electoral process and hinders the ability to hold those in power accountable. It's crucial that we continue to shed light on these dark corners of campaign financing and advocate for transparency and fairness in our elections. Democracy thrives when it's transparent and accountable, so let's provide some transparency here. Bear with me as we dig a bit into the weeds. First, let's talk about the Democrat organizations and their donations in this last election cycle. Much of this info is from the Colorado Sun article. McGeary Community Ventures gave $2.9 million to issue committees supporting two different ballot initiatives, one for affordable housing and one to raise taxes on higher-income Coloradans to pay for universal free meals in public schools. Mike Johnston, the new mayor of Denver, used to run the Gary Community Foundation. Education Reform Now Advocacy donated nearly $2.5 million to Democratic state-level super PACs. The Service Employees International Union gave more than $1.4 million to its state-level super PAC of the same name, which supported Democratic candidates. Altogether, Colorado, which supported Democratic state Senate candidates, raised $11 million. More than $2 million came from the 1630 Fund. Now, the 1630 Fund is a huge national dark money uh, alliance with Democrats, and it gave $4.4 million to state-level Democratic super PACs and $487,000 to ballot measure issue committees in 2022 in the election. 
Coloradans creating opportunity. These names, aren't they so soft and fluffy? A Democratic super PAC received 75% of its nearly $2 million from the 1630 fund. See how it's starting to be all connected? Blue Flower Action, which supported Democratic women, received over 50% of its $1.2 million from nonprofits. Better Colorado Alliance, which supported Democratic candidates for the state house, received 51% of its $4.6 million from nonprofits. We're getting close to the end. Hang with me. Defend Democracy Fund, which opposed Republicans in the Secretary of State and Attorney General contest, received over half of its $1.6 million from nonprofits. We'll dig into this more in the next week's episode, but here's a brief glance at the Republican side. Unite for Colorado Action, which supported GOP candidates, received 65% of its over $4 million from political nonprofits, most of that from Defend Colorado. Colorado Dawn gave nearly $1.9 million, mostly to state-level super PACs reporting, supporting Republican candidates. Defend Colorado gave $1.3 million to a super PAC of the same name that supported Republican candidates. Advance Colorado Action, a conservative political nonprofit, donated $3 million, most of it to the Unite for Colorado, a state-level super PAC that supported GOP candidates. The Senate Majority Fund, which supported GOP state Senate candidates, received about 37 or 27 percent of its 8.8 million from nonprofits, including 1.7 million from Colorado Dawn. You know, transparency and campaign finance has long been championed as a cornerstone of democracy, allowing everyday citizens to participate in the political process, which is why it's so important to expose how this works. I know it's complicated, but we've got to understand it in order to fix our democracy and fix our election process, you know, including Secretary of State Jenna Griswold, who has positioned herself as an advocate for transparency and an opponent of dark money in politics. However, recent revelations from state and federal campaign finance records suggest that dark money and non-transparent donations have been increasingly prevalent among Democrats overseeing Colorado's elections. The most effective campaign finance reform to address dark money in campaigns would be to repeal all of the various limits on the amounts of money candidates and political parties can raise and require immediate and total disclosure of contributions. That's the only way we're going to fix this. This would make sure money was given directly toward candidates and political parties and away from these dark money groups that can hide all of this. Our own University of Denver, which is liberal as all get out, did a study into campaign finance laws and said removing contribution limits on candidates and parties is the best way to make the political process more accountable and reduce the influence of dark money. So how does this play out in an actual race, an election? Let's look at how it played out in my governor's race this past year. Polis and the far-left groups spent $3 million to try to beat me in the primary by funding ads for my Republican opponent. It may not have taken me out in the primary, but I had to spend every penny we had raised up until that point to fight back against it, which left us bruised and almost broke going into the general election. That's just what Jared Polis wanted. They did this across the country, and my race was one of the few where we were able to eke it out and not get beat in the primary. Joe O'Day, too. Um, Polis then spent another... 30 million or so in the general election, putting money into various groups so it's kind of hidden in just four months to beat me against the scrappy 2 million we had after the primary. So the total spending was approximately 33 million versus our 3 million. Polis bought himself another term, showering Colorado with ads and flyers that flat out lied about me and about his record. 
How's that for election integrity? But we didn't have money to go back up against him in the airwaves and fight back in the last weeks of the election. So they sent out trackers out to video everything I said for pretty much the whole election. But we saw them at 6 a.m. in Greeley and 9 p.m. in Durango. They were sent anywhere and everywhere to track my every move. And not just me, other candidates too. They would blend into the audience, lay low, or at least try to. One of them is Heidi Beetle that launched Antifa in the Springs that we talked about earlier. Her job was to create a narrative that I was extreme and anti-child. They'd send their recordings of me to their fake Democrat-funded news outlets, Colorado Times Recorder, Colorado Polls, and Colorado Newsline, and up would pop a story the next day with the jaded narrative the mainstream media used to mimic and reference in their own copycat articles. See how this works? Nine News, The Denver Post, Colorado Sun, Axios, CPR, Colorado Public Radio, the Pueblo Chieftain, Durango Herald, and the Grand Junction Sentinel all seemed to be under the thumb of Jared Polis. They didn't even try to hide it. I would do a 30-minute or one-hour interview, a deep dive on my policy positions and the issues important to me, and they would create an inflammatory headline that drove the story in a crazy direction or just stay stuck on an issue that they knew would make me unpopular with the majority of the voters in Colorado. They would be misleading about what I thought or how I believed about this particular issue. Then big tech did its part by constantly putting up roadblocks to let us run our Facebook and Instagram ads. We were put off, delayed, or told to try almost every time we tried to run an ad or boost a post. The Dems work their ground game. This is where else the money comes in and the dark money groups. They fund workers across the state of Colorado and people who can actually hire folks to go out and ballot harvest. They track minute by minute who is not tuned into their ballot from the dirty voter rolls and have a massive team that harvests and hunts the Democrat voters down to make sure no stone is left unturned. In Colorado, you can turn in 10 ballots at a time. I can't confirm this, but word out is that uh, Colorado Democrats had over 4,000 paid ballot harvesters chasing ballots in the final weeks of the election. So then in the last weeks of the race, when voters finally pay attention, in comes an avalanche of tens of millions of dollars in TV ads, large color flyers hitting every mailbox, not just one or two, but three or four in a stack, and short peppy polis digital ads barrage Colorado's YouTube, Netflix, and Hulu accounts espousing his love of freedom, baby. Polis couldn't win on his own merit, so he lied and instructed all of his Soros far-left tide groups to lie too. And oh, did they? The most effective was their lie about my stance on abortion, contraception, and gay marriage to voters. Over and over and over, they told these lies on TV, on flyers, on Hulu, Netflix, and YouTube. You know, I'm pro-life with exceptions for rape, incest, and health of the mother. I have never changed my position. I promised to sign no bill put on my desk that would change our abortion law, that I would put it back to a vote of the people of Colorado. And when we filed a complaint about these lies where they said I was going to put women and doctors in jail, the complaints were disregarded. And that's a story in itself, which we'll probably talk about next week uh, because it involved Republicans actually not following through on it. The media was complicit too. They knew Polis was showering Colorado voters with bold-faced lies about me and they wouldn't call him out. The TV stations aired the ads knowing they were false. We told them they were false. Millions of dollars worth, including Fox News. Why do you think Polis advertised on Fox News? Well, he was pretty brazen about 
getting Republican votes. But not only were they airing Polis ads constantly, but Colorado's own Dana Perino kept bringing Polis on to fawn about how libertarian he was, yet wouldn't return our calls or have us on the show. That was weird, but not when you consider how many millions of dollars Polis was spending on advertising on Fox. They couldn't beat this mom on a mission without lying, without spending tens of millions of dollars on false ads through all the dark money groups with their, they're supposedly against, without an army of complicit media, without tech buddies to block our message on social media. So this is how they're winning elections in Colorado. We've got to figure out how to push back, to fight back, to raise the dollars we need to put our own ads up and to build our own army of people on the ground helping us. Jared had to cheat, lie, and spend tens of millions to win re-election. That can't be good for his ego, and it's definitely not good for a presidential run, I'll tell you that. Which, as a reminder, is why we are educating you on these details. It's not to rehash the governor's race. It's because I know inside and out how the money flowed and what groups were involved. You can't win if you don't know how you lost last time. We need to understand how Jared and the Democrats tactically do this so that we can play their game or stop them and win again in Colorado. And we can certainly stop Jared from any shot at doing this around the country or as president if we know how this works. So next week, we'll dive into our own party, not to do harm, but to understand how we got here over two decades and how we fix things going forward. Until next week, thanks for joining me on Unleashed, where we talk truth, lies, and politics. And thanks for putting up with my furry little friends who decided to be part of the show today. Moo and Maverick, you did a good job as my assistants. Have a great day.